Welcome to Power Talk Podcast, where the talk is interesting, informative, and powerful. Welcome to the podcast, Power Talk Podcast, let me correct myself there, yep. with Pastor Paul Chicato hey. and Reverend Matthew DeLeo. <laughs> How you doing, Pastor? Good, my brother. Good, good. Other than being hungry, Pastor, I think I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, that's a pizza won't solve. <laughs> uh, for you audience, uh, we just, actually when this podcast does get released on Monday, we had just finished our 21-day lunch fast. That's right. From 11 to 5. From 11 to 5. And uh, it was funny because it's funny during this fast, you typically, I'm sorry, do, during a fast, you typically lose weight. But in this fast, we've actually gained some Yeah. Yeah. Gained some weight. I'm not sure how that works. It's even legal. <laughs> but it's still sacrifice, yeah. nonetheless. And uh, I, I just love our reason, Pastor. I love the reason why we're fasting. Yeah. You want to share with the audience you know, what the Lord placed in your heart regarding this fast? Yeah. Mainly because most people, most of the time when churches fast, they do a specific type of fast. There's a Daniel fast. Where it's a 21 day and it's mainly vegetables. Then you have uh, Isaiah, which is God's chosen fast. Basically, what you would do is you would give up any substance or anything, and then you'd give it to a neighbor who's in need or something like that. But then the Jewish people also had, you know, uh, fast prior to the days of Pentecost, and and they did other specific fasts. So there's different types of fasts even throughout the Scripture. Um, and they all, in some way, are related to something specific. But but what it looks like to me, there isn't no specific amount of days or times, except that God wants you to fast food, you know. And basically, is that that the, is a church that when you're doing it, you're together in unity, all believing for that one same thing. So basically, what we did is God showed really put on my heart. Just so that way everybody's together on the same page, and that way I can answer these things, and people are believing by faith together. You know, deny the flesh substance from this time to this time, but be praying all the same thing, you know, where you're in unity, because unity moves the hand of God. We see it in Acts chapter 2. When the church really understood the level what uh, of unity, being in one mind and one accord, coming together all for one purpose— God moves at a greater degree. So that was my ultimate reason and why God had put that in my heart. Make sure you're all together at this. And that was something that we could do. It was still a sacrifice because we're still hungry. But nonetheless, I'm not saying we're going to deny substance altogether. What we're going to say is that we're going to deny our substance from this time to this time. And we're going to find some time to pray these specific points that God gave to us. Now, Pastor, is there a reason why... The Lord and does He enjoy when people fast? What is it about fasting that really that helps us in during a season? The main reason is this: is because everything that we do is to be done in the Spirit. Okay, so God places a higher priority on spiritual food more than He does your physical food. This is why you would give up physical substance. Unlike a lot of people, they they give up things. They don't give up physical substance. Okay, that's two different things. It's good. It's good. Uh, because giving up a thing means it's something that's obviously in your life that you probably just need to get rid of, period. If it's that big of an issue, you might need to get rid of it, period. It's not fasting related. It's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's not related to a fast. That's related to just uh, pleasing the flesh. 
food isn't something that's done for pleasing the flesh all the time. It's because it actually needs physical nourishment to sustain itself. Exactly. Without food, that's why God created food in the very beginning in the Genesis for every, for man to partake of, except there was one that he said you could not partake of. And that was the tree of uh, of uh, of good and evil, or was it? Good, now I forget. Knowledge of no, knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so again, it had to do with food, and so when we try to fast, well, I'm going to fast TV. I'm going to fast social media. I'm going <laughs> to no. You make those a part of your fast. Amen to that. I love it. That good. They are a part of your fast because, but they don't have nothing to do with physical substance. So why is that physical substance so important? Mm, yes, because of the fact that. God has provided spiritual substance. And what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to deny this body the nourishment that it needs to sustain itself. And I'm going to trust that supernatural substance, the word of God, which is food, which Jesus said it. He says, my word is food. So he's saying that supernatural substance, you're going to have to learn to have faith in that, trust in that, even when your physical flesh is saying, give me food. So in a fast, you're basically saying, shut up flesh. Yes. You're listening to the voice of God even more so during this season. Yes. You know, pastor, is there anyone in the scriptures that you could think of offhand that really, is there a story? Is there, is there, you mentioned Isaiah 58 and some of the other examples, but is there one for you personally, that just like stands out above all the fasts that have been recorded in the Bible? Uh, the one that stood out the most, was it, was it Nehemiah or not Nehemiah? Um, which was the one that laid on his side for like a hundred and something oh, days. Oh my goodness. Was that, I think it's like Jeremiah. It was one of the, it was I one remember. of the prophets. Yes. yes. Laid on his side for so many days. And then God told him to turn over and lay oh, on his the, other side. Yes. All without really any mate major physical substance yes and it was of course for the blessing of israel yeah so god honors the fast and when you do something to an extreme by putting faith in god yeah. instead of your body your foot your flesh then god wants to come through and answer you know a lot of people say well there's power in fasting no there's no power in fasting at all it's it's a, it's a strict obedience and denial that causes God to move. Mm. You see, we, we think about it. Every day when you wake up, 99% of your life is dedicated to doing something for your natural body. Right. Putting its clothes to cover it, mm -hmm. keeping warm, feeding it, drinking, drinking, but, but, but doing anything. Entertainment. Yeah. Uh, whether it be go to a movie or go to a bowling or, or just go out and enjoy the sun sitting out in a lounge chair. You, you constantly are providing something for this body. Yeah. And God is saying, you are now willing to sacrifice basically anything and everything in order for me to come through. Wow. And that's the hard part. So basically, we're quarantining food from our bodies. Yeah, we're quarantined. That's it. That's it. But the only thing is, food doesn't make me sick. I love it. But it's, it is interesting because it really comes down to keeping their heart right during this fast, too, like you're saying. And that's the goal is that it would make your heart right. There it is. I mean, because like you said, if it was Jeremiah, I can't remember. Forgive us, Scott. Yeah. We don't remember offhand. But if it was Jeremiah or Nehemiah yeah. laying on the side for, like, what was it, like 20 days and then the other side for 20 days. Yeah. And then God asked him to warm his food up with his dung. Yeah, exactly. And, God, and he's like, God, I can't defile myself. He goes, well, then use the cow. You cow use cow dung right. to warm up your food. And the people, I, I never forget, Pastor, as they're walking past him, they're like, what's he doing? Yeah. 
they didn't even understand their purpose and the reason for his fasting. They didn't understand he was doing it for them. Can you believe that? He was doing it for them and he was believe willing that. to do it at all costs, even at the sake of dying. You see, that's why substance is so important. This is why when I hear people say, well, I'm going to sacrifice TV. You won't die if you never watch TV again. You, they, they, when they say, well, I'm going to sacrifice this area of entertainment or this thing in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But those will, those are not a true sacrifice. Yeah. It's simply a denying a, the flesh is pleasure. Mm -hmm. But food is denying a sacrifice of something that could cause wow. you to die. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and there is a, a, a humility. Mm -hmm. Is a humility in that? Yes. Now, I'm not sure if you remember this, but in our staff meeting we just had just a moment ago, you used the word substitute. Yes. You says there. You said there is no substitute for the spirit in regards to fasting or in tithing. Yes. Tithing. I've heard people. I've actually heard people say this. Mm -hmm. Well, instead of giving my finances, I'm gonna give my time. I'm gonna give my time. I'm uh -huh. gonna give my time to the church. In other words, I'm gonna I'll go help with the children's ministry. I'm gonna go help with the youth ministry, and I'm gonna equate that to dollars, so I don't have to give my tithe because right. that is my tithe. Right. A tithe is not a time. It's an actual physical substance of ten percent of your income. Yes. It's not something you do it's something that's required yeah and so therefore what we do is we see this in the body of christ we see it with fasting we see it with tithing we see it with a lot of things where we make substitutions there it is and substitutions are not legal we like to believe they are and we like to make excuses for it but there is nowhere in scripture where god substitutes one thing for another i love it um there is no substitute. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. When you said that, I got the picture of Christ. Yes. He sent his son. He didn't send a substitute. He didn't send a substitute because we all know we should have all been on that cross, but we would have been a substitute. The reason is because we would have died on the cross in, in perfection. The only perfection could have died on the cross for sins. Wow. Because only perfection can erase imperfection and that's why you could that's why he couldn't have sent a substitute right he couldn't send a substitute that and we know that there was a substitute prior to jesus and what was it they would sacrifice burnt offerings oh, yes yes but they weren't a good substitute even hebrews tells us that they that's were not. right i forgot about that. that's good yes even hebrews tells us that they were not a quality substitute that's so right. that's why jesus had to come Right, and so he he made an appropriation for man. There it is. There through it is. his son Jesus. Now using big words, Pastor. Yes. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> so we've got to be careful that we don't use substitutes as a way of trying to get away around something to just make it easier for ourselves. Oh, That's man. what we really have to be honest with. Is are we doing the substitute because in reality it's easier? Mm -hmm. Sure it is. Yeah. Talk to a person and say, I want you to fast a Daniel fast for 21 days, or I want you to give up uh social media for 21 days. Some people say, Oh, you don't know how hooked I am on social. Oh, no, no, no. Trust me. Stop. Stop. You go with go without regular food. That's much harder because you'll think about food far more than you will think about social media when you start fasting. You know, Pastor, we you and I have done personally several fasts together throughout our years. Mm -hmm, we have. And I'm telling you right now, I, I don't do it for that reason, but the voice of God is more clearer mm -hmm. during our fasting. Yes. Like I said, I'm not doing it for that reason necessarily because right. it's obedience because usually you've declared that fast because mm -hmm. I've been under you with the youth ministry. Sure, sure. You've declared that fast sure. during a season as your volunteers and yes. now as, as a pastor, I'm under you as well and you declare a fast. And, and it's for, for this fast, is for transition and transformation, the transformation. Yep. And so that's where I'm sensitive to. But I've noticed though, pastor, in, in this season of fasting, it's like God's voice is more clear. Yes. I can apologize more easy, easier. 
Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. During the season, if I've if I've done wrong, yeah. Oh no, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I didn't realize I did I did that. Yeah. As opposed to when I'm full all the time, yeah. And I'm not fasting, Pastor. I don't hear that stuff easily as easily. Yeah. I really don't. And it's it's true. And this is why there's no power in the church, because they're not really in agreement with God's word. And uh, they might be in agreement with the pastor. It's time to fast. But the pastor gives the people ways out. He says, well, you know what? If all you can fast is just bread, then just fast bread. I've heard silly things like oh, this. I'm like, my so basically what you're saying is, is you're talking on God's behalf. If God tells the church to fast, Whoa. God didn't tell you what you can or can't fast. That's your idea, not his. You need to be, you know, that's a big hammer you laid down right yeah. there. That is really good. You're saying pastors are all of a sudden being the substitute. Yeah. They're get, creating substitutes and, for their giving people. This, yes. Uh-huh. I, I, I know that the church struggles with sin. Um, the church struggles with believing and trusting that God really will do what he said he would do. The church struggles with seeing God's promises come to pass. The church struggles with going to church. The church struggles with fellowship. The church struggles. Well, you're in a role now. The reason is because they just never really deny the flesh. And so their idea is, I'm getting closer to God because I said I'm going to stay off social media. You did not get closer to God because you stayed off social media. Here's the first question I would ask. Okay. Since you stayed off social media, how many hours a day on average do you do you do social media? Well, most people will say, well, I'm only on it about, a, about 20 minutes a day. Okay, we know that's a lie because even your own phone will tell you how many hours yes, a week. If it you does. go look at how many hours a week you're on social media, most people on average, I believe, spend a minimum of about eight hours plus on social oh, yes. media a week. That's the average, American average. But let's just say it is 20 minutes. I'll go ahead and give you your 20 minutes. Then are you taking that 20 minutes to worship and pray? There you go. Most of them don't even do it. So then you're not really sacrificing social media. You're just finding something else to fill the void. Right. What is it? Right. Now you're going on your computer instead. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Right. Or you go to TV instead. You go to TV instead. Yeah. If Unless you're actually spending the amount of same time that you give up that social media or you give up that thing that you do, then you're not really fasting it anyway. Yeah, Pastor, we talk about fasting. How important is prayer during the fast? Well, if you're if you're not praying and yet you're fasting, then you're just dieting. Mm. It's just a diet. Uh, it, it, it's 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 just an unnecessary sacrifice. There it is. There is no need for sacrifice if there's no real sacrifice to be offered. And prayer is your sacrifice. Because you said something just a moment ago, Pastor. You said the church, there's not power. There's no power in the church. Mm-hmm. And we've seen people, I've seen people fast, and they're still the same after the fast. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask them, you know, did you pray this thing or did you pray that thing? The pastor usually gives a mandate. Yeah, we give a mandate of, for of, what to pray. What to pray. Well, no, you know, I didn't. Have, I found myself not having time. And I thought, then you just did. Then you didn't fast. Didn't fast. You, you Look, just because you denied yourself food doesn't mean you fasted. Right. Because even though Isaiah had a chosen, God's chosen fast, this is the fast that God chose for us. And if we're not going to be obedient and all be together in one mind and one accord in unity in this thing, 
then then we're really not honoring God with what he gave to us. We're basically saying, I'm going to still do it my way, even though God told me. That's the problem. That's why we're fasting. We're telling, when we go to fast, we're simply saying, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm going to do it your way. Right. And yet when you still do it your way in a fast, then you're not really fasting. That is really good. There's no need to. Just keep on doing your daily life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't even involve yourself with it. And like you're saying, at that point, it's just dieting. Yeah, it's just dieting. It's just dieting. Yeah. And that's sad because it shows you if that's the case of most churches. Again, if that's the case of mm-hmm. most churches, yeah. then that reveals, again, like you're saying, the lack of power. Yeah. The lack of power because there's no unity. In unity, we know there's power in unity. Yeah. We, we've seen it. Yes. When the churches in, in Scripture, when they come together. Yeah. Man, there's great power. What you do is you stir up the presence of God when you do what's right. And that's why I say there's no power in power in fasting in itself. Because it's just denying yourself food. If that was the case, well, then the monks would be the most powerful people on earth if it was about fasting. Gandhi would have been the most amazing person on planet earth. No, he was amazing because of what he denied himself and people, uh, you know. They admired it. Well, you know, we can admire what he did. But if it wasn't for the things of God, there's no power in it. It's just a substitute. But the power is in prayer. It's when you're praying in that fasting, saying, God, not only am I willing to sacrifice, well, God sees your sacrifice. Just like he did in the Old Testament, he would see the sacrifice. Yes, he did. But it was when the sacrifice went on and then the people prayed and it was their faith in that sacrifice. That's it. What it would do. That's when power came. So, like I said, fasting doesn't mean anything other than it's what you're saying. I'm willing to do. While I'm praying, well, now God stir you stir up God because now you're in unity with his his idea what he wants. And so what you're doing is you're mobilizing yourself to be obedient to the things of God. God now is stirred and moved when that happens. I love it. And going back to the, the topic of, of praying and fasting, Pastor, why is it so important to pray and fast at the beginning of a new year? Uh, because with every new year, God gives you a season, a specific appointed time, which is what I've been talking about over the last few weeks in our services, um, talking about um, transformation. Well, the message has been called transformed, but it's dealing with times and seasons and numbers. And so when he does this at the beginning of new year, what you're doing is, is you're establishing his promises that he gave you for that season. Yeah, yeah. By going into fasting and praying. You're saying, okay, God, I'm in agreement with the word that you gave me, but here's how I establish it, by getting the Holy Spirit involved through prayer. You see, so it takes you and me and God in agreement. I agree. I'm in agreement with his word. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm in agreement with his word. But now I'm going to go get the Holy Spirit involved because it takes three to establish it. So by getting the Holy Spirit involved, how do I do that? Through praying in my fast. So now I'm not only just in agreement with the word that he gave us for the year. So if this year is a year of some sort of special blessing with us, he's given certain blessings that he's told us. Yes. Well, now... I'm going to have to, in order to get that established, I need to get in there with the Holy Spirit in prayer. Wow. That's power. Wow. I need to get that established in the spiritual dirt, so to speak. Mm. Because it was the Holy Spirit that gave you that word. Yes. It's the Holy Spirit that gives the word. That's why I say it's from the Lord. It's the word from the Lord. But now I need to get it established by getting him involved in it through prayer. And fasting... Does that help establish that word? Does that show the Lord, hey, God, I'm I'm really serious about this? Yeah, it shows a seriousness. 
it, it shows a seriousness. It shows a willingness to give up what the flesh wants in order to get what the spirit needs. And I love the word you used last on our last podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure if you remember this, you used yeah. the word outcome. Mm-hmm. Outcome. You know, when we get, we dealt with, trans, we talked about transition to transformation. Do you remember that yes. last last week? Yes. And I love what you said because it equals outcome. Yes. And I believe what you're saying here too, for me, Pastor, for my understanding is that when we pray and fast, the outcome is transformed. Yes. Because we're, we are submitting to this word. Yes. And we're sacrificing our meal and we're praying the prayers that you've given us mm-hmm. about transformation. And then along with the eight, I think there's eight or nine points for the church in yes. general. That man, they are powerful from evangelism to uncommon favor, yeah. you know, to um, I don't remember the other ones offhand, but these are the things that we're praying. So we have two separate prayers one for the church, yes, and one for our lives personally, yes. And I love both prayers because to me, they're so indicative of the things that we need in our, in, in our lives. And in the body of Christ, yes, we're missing it. Yep, we're missing these components to be like you talked about the powerhouses, if you will. Yes, in in this year of twenty twenty two. Yeah, and it is extremely important because remember, anytime God takes you through this, especially in our year, like the year of transformation, uh, in order to see the outcome that we're looking for, you have to understand one that there's a process involved. Okay, okay, and and because there's a process. It means that God is preparing you for something, okay? Um, I had shared this a little bit on Sunday, is that there's a real difference between transition and transformation. And transition require it means that it's a time of change. Transition. Transition is a time of change. Okay. And it goes back to what you're saying, times and seasons. Y- yes. It, it, w- yes. Does it kind of does it tie in? Kind of, kind of does, yes, because every season is still different. Okay. Okay. Um, some transitions are, are about change, mm-hmm. but not all. Ours this year isn't really about change. Ours is about about process. But transition is, a, is about change. In other words, when you're talking about change, it's because he's trying to help you make aware of something. Mm, There's about something about ready to change. That's good. So I'm making you aware of it. But here's the thing. You don't know the outcome. Okay. So you don't know the outcome, but he's making you aware of it. You know, when Jesus told the disciples to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the gift, that's all he told them. He didn't go into great detail and say, okay, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to fall down. The Holy Spirit, that's the gift. But then it's gonna he's going to fill you up. And when you get that filled experience, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start speaking in an unknown tongue. Right. The church is going to grow. They're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit now. The church is only going to grow, but you're going to start seeing greater miracles and signs and wonders. What it's going to do is it's going to set the precedence for the future, and more churches are going to grow from this. Wow, wow. Uh, he, he didn't go through the whole process because they, all he did is he says, beware that there's change coming. And you don't know the outcome of it. I'm just making you aware of it because that's what happens in a season of change, a transition of transition. change. Transition. But this year is a year of transformation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which means it's a process. It's more like a caterp- It's more like a butterfly the from caterpillar to ca- uh, caterp- caterpillar to butterfly. The metamorphosis thing. So it's a process or a metamorphosis where you know the outcome. When a caterpillar goes into his cocoon. He, you already know it's coming out to a butterfly. There is no, you already know, and you know that there's a process. So why is there a process? Unlike change where it just makes you aware of something, 
Process prepares you for something. So I'm going through the preparation because I'm, or the process because I'm being prepared to become a butterfly. See, I already know what's going to happen. The, the outcome. The outcome. I already know the outcome. Wow. And so it's a notable outcome. And so that's the difference between transition and transformation. And so we're in a season of transformation. And so to say that all seasons don't have some sort of some peripheral where there's change involved, of course, there's always going to be some sort of change. Some things that you you just need to be aware of that you can't always know the outcome of everything. But my point is, is that in this season, God's giving us the outcome. He's telling us, but now start preparing. And it, in order to prepare, you're going to have to go through a process. So it works up with, with knowing, leading us to preparation, but it's going to require a proper process or go through the process that gives you the preparation of the outcome. Either way, it goes back and forth. And it's the same way with the time of transition. But we're going to see a greater trans transformational there it is. There it is. situation this year yeah. than we are a transitional. Last year, we didn't know what was going to come. That transformation, Pastor, what's it, what's it look like? What's that? The transformation. What's well, that? the transformation this year, the Lord says that he's going. we're going to see rest. That means that in a year of rest, because it's a sabbatical year, a shemitah, or an Adar year. So, um, so listen really quick. Listen, a little plug in. Listen to was it part four? You listen to part four of this message because you t you talked about this in detail. Yes, I did. In fact, part three had a little bit of it, and in part four, I went into even greater detail. It was really good. Uh, but it's it's an Adar year, a Shemitah year, or a sabbatic in a sabbatical year. So that means one, it's a pregnant year for one, if it's a year of Adar, which means that there's a special blessing and abundance that comes in it. Well, secondly, it's also a Shemitah year or a, a sabbatical year, which means it's also a year of rest, a year of release, and a year of rest restoration. That's right. That's right. And so those three specific things come in, in those years. And it's one of those Hebrew thing, Hebrew uh, things that come upon the in the Hebrew calendar that's unusual that they all happen at the same time or occur at the same time. So because of that, being a year of rest, this is a year where the uh, the Hebrews on a sabbatical type year they basically wouldn't plant, they wouldn't plant any seed or anything. They basically would would refrain even from work to a certain level. They would refrain from work. And they would trust that whatever seed was left in the ground from the year before them, that they didn't personally plant themselves, but that would fall from the stalks of the corn or the wheat, their fruit, as they would pick it, seed would fall to the ground. Well, they wouldn't pick that seed up. You're not allowed to. They would believe that all the seed from the other six years on the seventh year, there would be enough seed left over from falling to the ground when they'd go to pick it, that on the seventh year, it would produce still a more than enough crop from the previous six years that they wouldn't have to pick it. What a faith statement. Yeah. And so they would literally have to trust God. That's why that. they would go into a year of rest. This is my year of rest. I'm totally trusting on God. And, and is that how, and that's part of our transformation is just experiencing. Ours is, yeah, we just get into that process of metamorphosis where God just, we're just trusting God to, to, to do things in our lives and for us. Promises that he's given us that have fallen to the ground. This year, they're going to sprout up and we're going to be able to receive from it. Awesome. It's also a year of release where the Hebrew in the Hebrew calendar, basically what would happen is, is that things that were 
that you had to, for instance, let's say you owed somebody, but you couldn't physically pay them. You would give them maybe one of your slaves or your children to work for them mm -hmm. as a payment. You would do something else as a, as a way of repaying them if you couldn't pay them in a, a monetary good. Well, on the year, you'd be released from that. You would get your stuff. You would get your stuff. Basically, you would be released from that payment, in other words, and you'd be released. So there are also things that Satan holds against us that we're released from. So even spiritual things. You, and you said that. Mm -hmm. I love what you said here. I have this in my notes. You had quoted Philippians 4, 6. You talked about, because number three of Adar was release of burdens. But you had said that doubt is a heaviness to our spirit. Yes. And that we will be released of that and trust and faith will replace mm -hmm. that. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize how heavy doubt can be because we don't, because it's such a natural part of our, our thinking that even with even when we pray, we pray with always a certain amount of uncertainty. You're right. We pray with a little bit of doubt. Almost with our fingers kind of crossed. Almost kind of like, well, if God does it, if he doesn't do it, I still love him anyway. Uh, if he does, well, I'm going to pray according, if it's God's will. If it's not his will, then it, see, we still pray with a certain amount of uncertainty and uh, uncertainty and doubt. When in reality, the word of God already tells us on certain things, what is a surety? And so when we don't pray with that surety, we pray with uncertainty. That's doubt. Well, it becomes heavy. Why is it heavy? Exactly. Because you have to still carry the responsibility of the thing that you're not sure if God's going to answer. So let's, let me give you, for instance, let's say right now you owe a bill, but you go in and say, God, well, if it's your will, Lord, that it be answered. But God, we need that bill paid. God, if we don't, we're going to lose our car. We're going to lose our house or we're going to blah, 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 blah. Or the lights are going to be turned off or we're not going to be able to go get food. You know, so what we do is we start praying. Well, God, if, if it be your will, though, please, please bless us with money. Okay, that's praying with doubt. That's heavy. That means you're rather than if you prayed in faith and trust in this type of year of rest, you would say, God. You've got this taken care of. God, I'm going to trust. On, I on, trust the God that this bill is paid for. That God, you're going to bring food to my table. God, you're going to pay this bill and we're going to be okay. I don't know how you do it, but I know, God, you've got it taken care of. You pray with faith. I love it. Like you're saying, Pastor, basically our uh, doubt becomes a burden. It becomes a real burden. It, it becomes a yoke that Jesus talked about. Take upon my yoke for it is easy and my burden for it is easy. And who are we to lay that burden upon? The Lord. The Lord, because he can handle it. That's why we have to have faith, not doubt, because faith lays it upon his shoulders to deal with it, not me, because I'm un, I'm limited. And if, by your faith, you might be surprised how God even gives you the wisdom to say, okay, son, here's how you do this. Here's how we can fix this problem. He might even provide maybe just not finances into your hand. Maybe he would give you an extra little part-time job or something for the season of your life to take care of those unnecessary burdens. You I never know. What, I love what you said. Like you said, he'll give you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom though. But if you're if you're praying with doubt, you're not even going to receive wisdom in it. I remember a prophetic word you gave many, many years ago. I think it was like 2016, 15. Mm -hmm. I, you, the one of the, you had said this, in this season, God's going to give you wisdom. Mm -hmm. you, you said you don't need a sword. You need you need wisdom. Yeah, and then that struck so powerfully to me. It yeah. was like, okay, Lord, for the circumstance I'm facing at that time, Lord, you're right. You said this: wisdom will give you a way out. That's yeah. what you said. Wisdom, wisdom will, will give, give you a way. way out. Yeah, there are situations. Look, the Word of God works for everything, 
But a lot of times we feel like everything is a battle when in reality, it's just wisdom that God needs to give you to do the right thing, to do the right work. There it is. And so we we go in, and I know a lot of ministers, they go in praying. It's a battle. We're going to fight devils, yes. and we're going to fight until we get a breakthrough. And it's like, okay, I agree. A lot of times that's what our prayers are required to do. We need a breakthrough. But sometimes it's just like what, uh, James tells us, you know, if he, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives us liberally and upbraideth not. In other words, he'll supply you all the wisdom you need. Maybe it's not a fit, maybe it's not a supernatural battle that you need to go through. Maybe you just need wisdom on the next steps to go through. And basically, that's not, that's what that prophetic word's about, Pastor. That yeah. you gave was that's all it was. Don't make it harder than it seems, that's son. It. Don't make it harder than it seems, daughter. You just need wisdom. That's it. It's just wisdom, Lord. If you'll just give me the answer, I'll go do it. But instead, we make it a battle. So we end up in battlefields that we shouldn't be in. When in reality, we just need the wisdom to get through. And, and you're right. We're calling out the devil. Yeah. We're calling out that person who offended we're us. We're rebuking people. Yeah. We're asking for repentance because we're thinking all these things are holding it back. And we're in prayer battling. When in reality, we just need a simple answer. Say, God, just show me what I need to do. And God will show you. And you'll get you'll get it accomplished. Yeah, mm -hmm. honestly, that, that, that's so beautiful. Uh, John Bevere, you know, we're doing a class, Good or God, with with uh, stronger together, stronger together. Yes. And I love what he had said. He said that um, that oh, lordship, we free, we feed from the lordship of Jesus. That makes us turn from our sins. He goes, when you feed from Him, in other words, the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. it's amazing what we turn from and what we turn to. Yeah. We turn away from the flesh yeah. in our old ways of wisdom, so to speak, and then we turn to his and we look to him. We look to his when we make when we make him the Lord. Yeah. You, you know, it's so easy to blame Satan for everything. Look, there are things that he has stolen in our lives because we surrendered it to him. But then there are things that we've lost. You know, and there's again a difference between things that were stolen. Yeah. And things that were lost, things that were stolen are from Satan took. Yes, and we may have willfully given it up, so we might have to repent. But nonetheless, we need that returned. Yeah. But then there are things that we've lost because we've forgot. You know, and people have a natural tendency to forget things. And so what happens when we forget, we tend to lay it down. It's like those keys. You know, we could go around the house rebuking God every day. <laughs> I can't find my wall. You same devil. It's yes. a devil. And yes. We lost our keys or we can't remember. What we, in reality, no, you just forgot where you laid it. Exactly. And the truth is, whose fault is that really? Right. It's yours. And so you need to go ask the Lord, say, Lord, please remind me where I put that. And so you need to seek the Lord. God, is this a battle that I need to go wage because it was stolen? Or is it a or do I just need wisdom to remember where I laid it? You know? Yeah. And so, like you're saying, my pastor, this is part of the transformation year that we're gonna be experiencing. It was like you said, that rest, that peace, and that joy. Yes. And you mentioned again the Adar about release. Is there anything else, Pastor, that you feel is necessary for our audience, our listener to know about this fast, you know, what we're doing fasting, but the overall outcome? Yeah, you need to believe that God's going to restore what the locust has devoured too, because it's a year of restoration. That means things that you, that you did lose, things that you did lose or things that were taken will be restored. Uh, you know, uh, you know, look at how many times in scripture people, people 
the things that they had to sacrifice because it was no option, but then God restored it later. Job is still one of the greatest examples of restoration. Come on, Pastor. He lost everything and God restored it. Two times greater. Two times greater. And, and he was joyful as a result. Look at, look at what the father God gave up. He gave up his son, but look at what he got in return. He didn't just get a son. He got a king that sits next to him now. He didn't have a son sitting at his right hand. He has a king who's a son sitting at his right hand because, and it restored me and you back to the father. You see, there was a restoration process that took place. And so in a year of Adar, God's going to restore things. There's a lot of people they've had, they've lost their businesses because of the COVID. God's ready to restore a business that's even more profitable. There's people that have that have had to give up certain things in their life that they thought that they were going to go forward, but they lost it because of situations that they couldn't help. Things that you just could not have planned. It, but but God wants to restore that joy where you can re- have that back in your life. Maybe you lost a home, but it was just something you couldn't help. Maybe your job quit. Maybe the job that you had that you were making six figures, you know. Uh, it's, you know, maybe the job, the business went out of business, you know, the, the CEO lost his business. He couldn't help it, but maybe the stocks went down. Maybe the, maybe people wanting whatever the case, but you as a result lost that high position that you were in. God wants to restore those things to even better. There's things that God wants to restore. And sometimes that can seem so hard to believe to the mind Yeah, that, it can get better than it once was. You, you feel so low. Yep. And you feel so discouraged. You had, at the beginning of service this past Sunday, you rebuked the spirit of depression. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that can easily so influence us when things go bad. Why not get, why not be, why not get rid of reject, uh, uh, depression and restore it with joy? Why not? Of course, that's what God wants. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, you want to know why you feel when you're depressed, you feel weak. Well, you want to know the answer to to, to restoring that strength is get a hold of joy. And so we've got to understand that there's things that Satan has really done to remove them from our lives. And he's worked extremely hard to influence this, that that's the right thing, or that's reality. I'll be honest with you, I'm tired of living in reality. You know, I'm tired of living the way the world would think. Yes, yeah. Because reality is, I should be living in the supernatural realm. I believe in a God who still heals. I believe in a God who still saves. I believe in a God who still believes in freedom and breaking chains, deliverance. I believe in a God that wants me free. And so I believe in a God that that only a supernatural God can do a lot of those things. That's really good. And so if I'm going to live in this year of Adar, this year, this Shemitah year, or this sabbatical year, this year where God said, I am going to come in agreement with the promises that I've given you. So that way they can be established in your life. Well, then I'm going to believe in that this year. And so I already know. I'm going to hear people talk negative. I'm going to hear people talk critical. I'm going to hear people talk against the things that I believe, but I'm not going to agree with them. I I might have to just sit and nod my head, but I'm not in agreement with you. So I won't say anything. I, I get into, I get in a lot of times talks with my family and they always know that I don't agree because I get quiet. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times it'll force them to ask me. So what do you think? And I don't do it to intentionally create a problem, but I just know that I'm not going to come in agreement that I don't see in the Bible 
or that doesn't, or God didn't show me personally. You can, you can believe that if you want. I'm not. God showed me something different. So I'm going to stand on that rather than stand on what you believe. And I, and I love the fact that they will turn to you in that moment thinking, wait a second, we're doing all the talking. Where's, what's Pastor Paul doing? Yeah, why is Paul not talking? And why he only gets quiet when there's something that's not agreeable. And to me, that attributes just the wisdom that, again, the wisdom that God has given you throughout the years mm-hmm. your, for your life personally. Yeah. And it, and it manifests itself outwardly. And you got to be careful because out of the mouth proceed of blessing and cursing life and death. So when I, if, if I said, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I've already given canceled. I've given life to it and I've canceled the promises. That's good. That God said he would give to me. So I'm very careful about ag- saying in any way that I agree verbally. I may understand what they're saying, but I cannot, co- I've got to be very careful not in the coming in agreement. And that's another podcast talk topic. Yeah. It really is what we come in agreement with, because mm-hmm. I know by nature and by habit, that is done quite often, Pastor. Yeah. Just to get on with the conversation or just to get yeah. done with the conversation. Not to create a problem. Not to create a problem. We'll say, okay, you're right, whatever, and just try to move on. In reality, we cause a stir in the spirit mm-hmm. against our life and potentially against our family. Yes. And so I'm very careful when I'm in conversations that I hear people that speak things that are contrary to what I believe that the word says or things that specifically that God has spoken to me. I'm always very careful. Uh, and depending on what group of people I'm in, I will correct it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, That's good to say. I love that disclaimer. Depending on what group of people I'm with. Yes. I love Because that. there are some people, if I were to correct it, they, they don't really understand deep spiritual things. That's good. I like so that. to try to explain that, they'd have to, they, they'd have to have already at least a foundation. So like, for instance, if we're in staff, you know me, I, I might say, well, okay. Because there's been those moments. I, I won't, I'm not saying I disagree completely with what's being said, but I can't wholeheartedly go with the whole idea if I think that it's disagreeable with the word. And so we've been in those conversations. And again, I, that happens very little, but, or if I'm other around people in the church, that that go to our church. If I'm in your circle and you say those things, uh, people know that I will speak up again, not to create a problem, but I I can't allow you to believe something that is your pastor, that you come to our church that you know that I would never agree to. So if you want to believe it, you can believe it. But I just want you to know that the precedence is not going to be set by your words. And I will not agree with you. And again, it's not to create a problem. Uh, and it's not to create a hurt. That's and I will always come at it very mm-hmm. gently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's just reality. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Now, now, Pastor, how do we want to conclude this this conversation? I mean, this is a really good topic. We talked about prayer and fasting. You talked about the year of Adar, the pregnant year. You said a few, a lot of a lot of good things. How do you want to close it for our listener? I would suggest that if you don't have a promise already set for yourself that you know of for God, then hook up with our promise. Okay, and and, and, it's big it and it, yeah. Because there's good stuff there. And and I'm not saying that our promises are better than the church down the street. I'm just saying is if you don't have nothing, you're like, Lord, I don't have a promise for myself. I don't have something to hang on like what Pastor Paul's talking about. I don't I don't know 
Well, then you know what? Join us in ours and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the release of those blessings. I want that restoration and rest in my life. I want that blessing that comes from a pregnant year. I want to, I want to be in agreement with some word that God's going to give to my life and see it established in my life too as a blessing. I want to be free from my own mind. I want to be free. I want to see transformation in my life. Man, I guarantee you, if 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 you lived off of that every year and that was all you had, that would be more than enough. And to me, Pastor, when you when you're saying that, I got I got a vision of the word pregnant. That word pregnant to me is an abundance. Yeah. It means abundance. So yes. anybody like you're saying, if the whole whole world didn't have a year, yeah. I have a word, have a word for the year. It, we're pregnant with this word. It's we're more pregnant than enough. with the word. That's it's right. more than enough. It's an Adar year. Be pregnant with that word. Just say, God. I know that the transformation process is happening inside of me. It's happening inside of me. It's birthing something in me. And I already know it's going to come out as a blessing. And that's what a pregnant year is. It's going in. You're pregnant with it, but you're going to, you already know what you're going to birth. You're going to birth a blessing. Wow. That's a blessing, Pastor. That's yes. really good. So listener, there you have it. Thank you for joining us this for this podcast. We pray that you were encouraged, you were ministered to. We love you, and we'll see you next week. God bless you. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. Power Talk Podcast is brought to you by Powerhouse Church. You can find us at fellowship.fm and Spotify. If you would like more information, prayer, or want to contact us, go to powerhousechurch.us.